Translating Arcadia tells the stories of people who belong elsewhere, and the pain that comes from being trapped here instead. Their contents may be upsetting or uncomfortable. This story contains implied child suicide. Olivia's imaginary friends took her away the day after her 12th birthday. They had been gone for years, the little people she'd created when she was a lonely little girl who didn't understand the right words to say. But she could hear their voices, the wind against the sycamore tree, the skittering of dry leaves on the sidewalk. Olivia had never been afraid, not of the long-nailed hands, the sibilant words sieved into her ears. She knew them, her imaginary people, what they were. They were the wishes from before, all of them. They came with her from foster home to foster home, holding her hands in their thin, delicate ones, slipping secrets into her pockets like acorns. They could always follow her, finding ways to fit into the smallest cracks in the pavement where the dandelions grew. When Olivia was small, small enough to fit into the cracks herself, she didn't understand things. She had made more wishes then, but hadn't called them by name. She watched, eyes like saucers, as foster parents fought about bills. Foster sisters put on makeup that weighed their eyelids closed. Foster brothers played video games with screaming sirens, explosions. She watched over the stair rail, or from behind the couch, or out the window, wondering. At night, the wish people told her stories about the bent oak trees, toadstools, moss like lace. For a while, she tried to ask them, not the wish people, but the other ones, the ones she knew got money to keep her. She asked why. Why the bills, the lipstick, why the sirens, why the meat pressed into patties on their plates with gravy, why the houses had flowers papered onto the walls, flat and dead and never alive, why they paved the yards and closed the windows. They never answered her, just blinked, blank and dead as the paper flowers, then looked away, their faces red, with no words that Olivia could catch, could understand. Words that changed. Once, when the social worker came, Olivia looked out from behind the curtains. She's a sweet, quiet girl, but, said the foster mother. It's not that there's something wrong, but, said the foster father. She's so weird, just staring there, looking, said the foster sister. She's a freak, always staring at me, said the foster brother. Then Olivia was taken somewhere else, with new foster sisters and brothers and parents. New things to watch, new questions that were never answered by nervous, red-faced people. She learned to stay unseen, to find answers without asking the questions. 
She learned to watch, to find words in the blank spaces and cracks between their speech. She learned not to whisper to the little people except at night, when their eyes flickered in the dark. Stars, candles, bonfires. Olivia's imaginary friends went away when Mama and Dad adopted her. The therapy lady said Olivia didn't need them anymore, so she could stop pretending. Find real friends. People her age that could play Barbies and have sleepovers. Olivia smiled and nodded, thinking about how Megan had invited her to spend the night. How she had a pink satin nightgown, bright, slick as plastic. A doll with molded legs and pointed feet. She didn't tell the therapy lady that they wouldn't go away just because she didn't need them. They weren't like the cartoons on the TV, turned with a button from bright animation to flat gray. They were, because they always had been, the wish people with eyes liquid and lake black. But she whispered to them again in the backyard, pulling Mama's gardenias off the bushes big, fat, white flowers with petals thick as a tongue. She'd said she was safe now, home. Their bare footprints didn't need to follow her, ring her bed in the morning. She'd been taken in, accepted. In her room that night, Olivia lay the gardenia petals around her in a circle, soft, clean, like feathers against her cheek. Outside, her imaginary friend's eyes blinked, eyes shine in the headlights through the window. She listened to them whisper. Accepted, they said. Becoming, they said. Became, they said. For a time, they said. Home, they said. We are your home. Olivia woke in her bed, under a blanket of yellow dandelions, pollen rubbed under her nose, powdery and faintly sweet. All day, she could smell the milk of the crushed stems. After that, her imaginary friends were gone. As she grew, she could laugh about them with the others. Mama and Dad teased her gently about her six-year-old fantasies. Her best friend Megan reminded her what she used to say about the other friends. Wish people, knee-high and with skin as red as manzanita. Olivia could smile, too, thinking about how strange she'd been then, making circles of flower petals, crowns of leaves, counting time on dandelion clocks. Watching, always watching, back when she'd been outside looking in, before she became one of them. But now she was older. She grew older for six years, moved past childhood, mama and dad holding her hands, steadying her on a bike, making dinner, setting the table. Olivia looked, learned. She had friends. Girls and boys her age. She played games, learned the rhythm of jump rope songs. There were stickers to collect, parties to go to, 
with pink streamers and cake with sugar flowers. Everything tasted like the frosting, melting, staining her tongue and teeth. For a while, she understood. The answers came easily, in the rhymes they said, the rules they followed. There were answers in the birthday candle wishes, shooting stars. Mama and Dad wished, too, with Olivia, every night before bed. A rhyme, the ritual of folded hands. Olivia understood. She didn't have to watch on tiptoe through slats in the closet door. She knew what to say, finally finding the answers that the red-faced foster families couldn't explain. But the answers ran out. She didn't know that would happen. It came as she grew older, old explanations no longer fitting into the spaces left, so slowly she couldn't see it. Not like the seasons that she could feel inside her skin, a taste in her mouth. This change crept, dye bleeding out into water. She always followed the rules she'd learned by heart, stayed between the lines repeated under her breath before bed. She knew better than to step off the path, jumping the cracks to stay safe, protected. It was the path that shifted, bent, reshaped itself toward an end Olivia no longer understood. She hadn't known that could happen either. The knowledge had been lost somewhere, in the questions she'd stopped asking, the questions she hadn't known she should ask. The girls didn't have the same parties anymore, with pink frosting so sweet it hurt, no stickers or dolls, no jump rope rhymes with price and payment, crime and punishment, no wishes. They said things Olivia didn't understand, about boys who were no longer just boys but a wild and strange species, about their bodies pierced with metal in their ears, their hair the color of paper flowers. Olivia's eyes burned as she kept them wide to watch. You can't sit with me anymore. Megan's lips were pink, waxy. She'd painted them with a tube of gloss. Everyone thinks you're weird. You are weird. Olivia blinked. She could hear the wind in the branches of the oak tree, a sigh-like crying. Six turning to twelve, four threes grouped in pairs, their round bellies swelling with time, three and three and three and three. The day she'd chosen as her birthday, when she learned what birthday meant, her own answer to one of the questions. Twelve. A circle. Complete. She could hear her imaginary friends outside the window, whispering it back to her. They had given her presents, Mama and Dad, not dolls, with narrow waists and necks ready to break like twigs. Olivia hadn't wanted to accept any more. Their skin felt slick, sticking. It pulled at her. Too old for them now, aren't you, Pumpkin? Dad had said. About time, Mama had said. But a book, brown, the cover soft, 
perfect. An empty book, full pens, their tips dripping as black and blue as the sky. They didn't tuck her in anymore, Mama and Dad. She was too big for that now. To be tucked in, read stories, recite the ritual of wishes. That change, too, had come so slowly she hadn't seen it. She had missed it before. Not that night. That night. Three and three and three and three. She sat up, the moon watching her through her window. She took out the brown book, the pen with sky-black ink. She wrote the words, the rhymes, the wishes. Words stayed where she put them, in ink and intention. They didn't change when she looked away. She wrote the answers she thought she'd known, the questions no one had explained. She wrote all the things she'd learned, the things she'd seen, the things she'd lost, becoming, become, became. Then Olivia lay down. She put a dandelion in her mouth, powdery, sweet scent, the bitter taste of milk. She heard the voices, her imaginary friends, their eyes flickering, flashing at her. Their nails stroked her face, the smell of oak gall, of dark earth, of damp leaves, sound of bare feet, leaving a circle of prints around her and out into the darkness. The wish people turned, sleek shoulders red as manzanita, blinked their lake-dark eyes, turned back, waiting. There was a sound like drawing breath, like being born, a soft rain of down. The dandelion clock read twelve. Home, they said. We are your home. Olivia smiled and followed. This story, Becoming, Become, Became, was performed by Emily. Translating Arcadia is written, directed, and edited by Lisa Guente. Its music is composed and performed by Michael Freitag. More information about the stories and their performers can be found at translatingarcadia.loudnames.com. Translating Arcadia is a production of Law Means Media.